Thanks for coming forward. is yours and mercy and peace from God our Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon is based on the epistle lesson for the day, 
And uh, following up pretty much on the, on the hymn that Judy and Dan picked uh, for right before the sermon, it's called Gotta Serve Somebody. The Old Testament prophets ridiculed those who had worshipped gods made of wood or brass or stone. They said, yeah, go ahead, carve your god out of a log. And then you can use the leftover portion of the log to cook your food. And all those portions that you shaved off so your god would have a nose and lips and all that, you can use that as kindling for your fire. Oh, and if he's falling over a little bit, just take off a little behind the ear and use that as a shim to keep him from falling over. They really ridiculed those who constructed idols that they might worship them. But the prophet said, but since your God has wooden ears, don't expect him to hear you. His polished stone eyes will never see your needs. Nor can he answer you through those whittled lips that can never move. Dance before him. Bob your head to the overpowering music. Keep perfect rhythm with the beat of the drum. But he can't see it. He can't appreciate it. He can't reward it. He is a God who is no God. But don't pretend that you are not worshiping a living being when you worship this God who is no God. Because Satan sees what you're doing. And he encourages it. And he approves when your God is wood or brass or stone, or you worship the forces of nature or sexual energy or some creature of your puny imagining, you fall for Satan's deception and, and you anger and sadden the God who loves you. But the God who loves you will not write you off as a loss. He sent his prophets to instruct and correct you. He has given his word to guide you. And he has planted his people all around you. Yet you have judged his people to be naive, old-fashioned, clueless to true power. You have forgotten his word or never bothered to hear it and have shunned and mocked and vilified his prophets. That was the message of the Old Testament. That's the way it was for those whose idols were wood or metal or stone. Now after the fall of Jerusalem, which Jeremiah, our Old Testament prophet, was talking, you know, he kept on being sent by God to tell people, Look, when everybody comes and invades, just know we have it coming. This is, the, this is the judgment of God. Just open the gates, lay down your sword. God will save you. And the people kept saying, treason. Traitor. Whatever happened to your pride? 
of being a person of Israel. And they kept arresting him. But eventually, the fall of Jerusalem came in fulfillment of that unpopular message that he had to deliver. And Israel had learned this lesson. They never again fell to crude idolatry. They rebuilt the temple and they cracked down on anyone who would hold that a graven image was a god. But they found themselves new idols. They revered their nation as if it were their god and the source of all their identity. And they created traditions for pious living based on their own puny imaginings of what righteousness should be like. They revered wealth and status as if these were public billboards of God's favor. And eventually most of them came to believe that this life is the only life. So you might as well have power and pleasure in the here and now. And that became their gods. St. Paul, Paul grieved when he thought of such people. And Jesus wept openly at their self-destructive fixations. God's plan was that they would be saved by His grace and guided by His Spirit. And all three persons of the Trinity made the way of salvation clear in holy words and miraculous actions. But His people decided that the message of Jesus was dangerous. And the call of the prophets threatening. And a salvation that would be available to everyone of every class in every case by God's grace? Well, that left them no room for personal boasting. It gave them no power over others. And so they spoke against it. And down through Israel's history, they became unwitting enemies of the grace of God in Christ. Their minds were set on earthly things. Or as Paul memorably put it in his third chapter of his letter to the Philippians, their God was their belly. I love that image. Think about it. When your God is your belly, the more you give in to its appetites, the bigger your God gets. When your God is your belly, you're less likely to be looking to the needs of others because you're too busy navel-gazing. When your God is your belly, you're not looking to the heavens or to the way of heaven. You're too curved in on yourself. When your God is your belly, you don't look for hope or help after death. Because when your God is your belly, 
When you die, your God dies with you. When your God is your belly, you are tied to the earth, for that is exactly where your God lives. And finally, when your God is your belly, Satan sees and encourages and appreciates and approves of your worship. He wants you captive to the old ways of rebellion, and he longs to repudiate the Creator by convincing the creature that she can be a god. But the true God who reigns in the heavens has not given up on this present arrogant age. He continues to send pastors and teachers to instruct and correct us. He has given his word to guide us. He has planted his people all around us. And he has called us to not reject his grace. Refuse to fall for the lie that the world knows better while all God's people are naive, old-fashioned, cliches, clueless to the true nature of power in God's creation. Never, never let it be said that you have forgotten his word or never bothered to hear it or shunned and mocked and vilified the preaching of his word and the distribution of his gifts in the communion of his people. Paul reminds us that Jesus has freed us from sin to live for Christ. So listen to him. Not to Joseph Smith or Moroni or Muhammad or the Antichrists or the leaders of cults. Listen to Jesus with all your heart, so susceptible to the subtleties of Satan. And don't trust your heart because it's susceptible to the subtleties of Satan. It can be swayed by despair or distracted by lust or driven by greed. Your heart is prone to loneliness, hopelessness, illness, and frustration. It can be chained to addictions or content with and defensive of your sin. So if you ever think that God's word is out of date, 2,000 years old, and not as wise as the wisdom of our age, listen to him who says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. And when the world calls you archaic because you have values you insist on living by, and when you stick out from the crowd because you give without expecting to profit, but simply because there is a need, and in giving to the least you understand that you give to him who is the best, 
And when contrary to the world's views, you still see the love of money as a root of all sorts of evil rather than the world's highest good. And when you count your worth by the price that has been paid for your soul and by how deeply you have been loved rather than how many must obey you when you speak. When you can astound the world by saying of God, though he smite me, I will praise him. Then thank God. For by his gift, your citizenship is in heaven. And after this belly and all that goes with it are dust, Christ will transform this body to be like his glorious body, fit for the life in the new heaven and the new earth. Half a lifetime ago, singer Bob Dylan went through a brief spiritual phase. Now, I don't know what you feel about Bob Dylan, but I'll just follow this little, this little anecdote. He went through a spiritual phase because he was being surrounded by Christians. And for a brief time, he identified as a Christian. And he wrote some pretty interesting songs and hired a group, a, ba a backup group of gospel singers. And he went on the road. And I don't know if you've ever been to a Dylan concert. I've been to several. And they're never alike. They're never like the previous one. He wants to do something different every time. And sometimes it's well received. And this wasn't one of those times. At least in one of the places where he went, he got, on, got out in front and he started to sing one of my favorite songs of his called Gotta Serve Somebody. And the, the refrain goes like this. It says, you gotta serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna serve somebody. And as he sang it and came to the chorus the second time, somebody in the front started to boo and then the booze started to spread. And eventually, Dylan, who doesn't need anybody's money, just put his guitar up and walked off stage. And his band played for two more numbers, and then they all split too. It was a news event. And afterwards, one of the people was interviewed on the news and said, I didn't come to hear this kind of Christian baloney. I don't have to serve anybody but me. Listen to that. I don't have to serve anybody but me. His God was his belly. You know, there is nothing more unsatisfying and few things more ungodly than saying, I am going to serve nobody but me. St. Paul says, 
that he is a slave of Jesus. Paul struggled with his own urges just like everyone else. But he knows in his gut that no good can come from listening only to his own desires. He was bound to a greater purpose than following his nose or listening to his belly. He belongs to Jesus. That's his identity. And by the grace of God, so do you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Confess the faith with me, please. <laughs>